This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hey everyone, it's Phil Mackie here and I want to welcome you to a special episode of the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. This will be quite a bit different than what you normally hear on our show, which, let's be honest, mostly consists of Judd's conspiracy theories, Rami's one-liners, and me ranting about robot umpires. So, just a little background here before we dive into the show. Ryan Saunders reached out earlier this year and said, hey, let's meet up and use our platforms to do some good because there's a lot of people struggling with grief or, in our case, losing a parent at a younger age than you probably imagined. So let's do a podcast episode and talk about it. So that's what we did. I think everyone's pretty well aware of what Ryan has grinded through the last few years, losing his dad, Flip Saunders, to Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2015 and and now trying to carry on Flip's legacy in his own way. And as some of you know, my mom passed away also to blood cancer at the age of 61 in August of 2017. And so Ryan and I are sort of part of this unfortunate club and we figure a lot of other people are in the same club or maybe you're going through something different uh, in your life. And we decided let's sit down and let's talk about it all. So give it a listen. Let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, Ryan doesn't have social media, but you can tweet me or find me on Instagram at Phil Mackey uh, on both platforms or email pmackey, M-A-C-K-E-Y, at scorenorth.com. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you lost your dad, yep. Flip, to Hodgkin's lymphoma four years ago at mm-hmm. age 60. Mm-hmm. I lost my mom, Jerry, to T-cell prolymphocytic leukemia. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, as we sit here and record this, to uh, she was sixty-one, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I think you and I maybe have met in passing before, yeah. but this is really the like in the last month or two, it's the first time you and I have ever had a conversation like yeah. this. But you and I went to the University of Minnesota around the same time. Mm-hmm. We're around the same age. We lost parents around the same yeah. time, and I think there's probably a lot of people out there, Minnesotans or just mm-hmm. people around the country, that have gone through a similar experience, lost a parent more suddenly than they thought were younger than they wanted to be when they lost a parent. And so um, that's where this conversation yeah. stems from, I guess. Yeah, and, and it's like we, uh, we talked about, you know, initially that uh, when we talked about doing something like this, it's, you know, you're, everybody goes through hard times and everybody has, you know, some sort of form of loss throughout their lives. Uh, and, but, you know, losing a parent at a young age, especially a parent you're so close to, you almost become a part of a club 
not wanting to be a part of that club. Yes. Um, where you connect with people, other people, and you know, if, if you if you try to honor them in a way that that you feel you can you can um, shed light on on what people may be going through if they're you know somebody else is going through this a similar situation that you and I went through right now where they they see you know the health possibly de- deteriorating. Um, you know, and, and things kind of look bleak, you, one can try to give them hope, but then you can also try to tell them, you know, show them that, Hey, if, you know, things do, you know, go down that road that you are, it's, it's pretty unimaginable. Um, you know, there can be light at, at, on the other side. Yeah. I think let's, let's just spend the next, however many minutes, just th- asking each other questions. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of figured the structure I sort of had in my mind was let's start with, let's go sort of three phases. Let's start with, all right, the moment that you heard about mm-hmm. your parents' diagnosis mm-hmm. and it's just a shock to the system, mm-hmm. and then part two, as you sort of realize this is not going in the direction that you want, and then and then part three, that light at the end of the tunnel where yeah. now we're talking about legacy and carrying yeah. someone's torch. So yeah. I'll throw the first question now. I mean, what, where do you remember where you were and when 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 news came down in your family that okay, this is going to be a battle? Yeah, I was about fifty feet away from where we are right right here. And, uh, you know, as, as we're in my office here at, at Mayo Clinic Square, um, across from the Target Center, uh, I was in, you know, my old um, assistant coach office, coaching office uh, about 50 feet from here. Um, my dad had gotten some um, basically, you know, final kind of results, uh, you know, at, from Mayo. And um, there was there was a little bit of a, of an overlap where my mom had known before that for like a couple days, um, but he didn't want to know because it was right around draft time, and he he wanted to be focused on on all that. So I was over there and I saw the I saw my dad go into a little conference room with a doctor, and um, you know they were in there for a while. So I, I you know you have a feeling that something isn't right. And then he actually ended up kind of telling me, um, it's, it's, it's really, now that I think about it, it's pretty blurry because, you know, I think you, you, you try to block some of those things out. Um, I guess in some of those moments where you hear such, you know, all the, all the negative news and the things where, you know, the times where your life changed, um, you know, probably for the worse is, is what you're thinking. So it's, uh, it, it was hard to, hard to grasp at the time. Um, you know, really what was going on or what, what the next steps were because y- your mind automatically races to, to the worst. Yeah. So, which, I mean, I'm sure you can, you, you know, you can probably attest to. I mean, when, when did you find out that your mother? Um, yeah. Um, I, was, I was sitting in the parking lot at Hubbard Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I, I had just gotten in my car to uh, go home for the day. And, and so, so, sort of similarly, my mom always thought about my life and schedule before her own and yeah. only child syndrome. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so she sat on the news all day, but waited for my show to be done yeah. and waited for my work day to be done so that I wouldn't have to think about it. Or, yeah. I mean, when you think back, it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't have, to, I wouldn't have worked that there or whatever. But yeah. like the fact that she was just diagnosed with, and at the time they didn't know how bad it was going to be. It took yeah. like two months to figure out just how bad the cancer was, but to make it even worse, and we always have sort of a we always try to put a, fu- a funny spin on things even mm-hmm. in the darkest moments. So she was a Democrat, and it was election night, 2016. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so I went to the hospital to visit her because she called me from uh-huh. the hospital and said, "Hey, I have leukemia, and they're doing some further testing." And you know, we both cried on the phone. Yeah. And uh, and she makes the joke as we're sitting in there. She goes, 
we're watching like CNN coverage or whatever. And again, she's a Democrat and she goes and she goes, this is so crappy. This is the worst. This is the worst day of my life. And I was diagnosed with leukemia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so like, I don't know. I'll never forget like being in the car and then, and then being in the hospital while she's being diagnosed and joking around about yeah, it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, 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 I'm glad you bring that up. Cause I think it's really unique to the strength that you can see in people, um, when they are hit with the, that type of news and when it's actually happening to them, um, you know, they may take the news better than, you know, better than the, the loved ones. Cause I remember my dad saying, uh, you know, like when I, you know, kind of got emotional, he's like, Hey, he's like, He's like, what are you worried about? He's like, he's like, I'm coming back. I'm gonna be in great shape. We're gonna be rolling. You know, next year we're gonna get this thing, you know, built up. You know, talking about the team. And he's, he's like, yeah. He's like, hey, we, we just got, you know, you guys just gotta pick up the slack for me a little bit this summer. He's like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And he was so positive. And like now, as I reflect on it a little bit, um, that moment of kind of finding out, you know, you see the strength and you see the things, the reasons you, you were so close with that, with that parent. Yeah. How hard was it for you? You know, you and and your dad being public figures and having to to go through mm-hmm. this both on your end and on his end, mm-hmm. but also it being such a public thing. And yeah. I mean, like for you, there's a lot of Timberwolves fans that felt like they were along for the ride too yeah. because they had seen Flip for thirty plus years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what was it like from just like, okay, I'm going through this in my life, but also I have this very high demanding public job, yeah. And you're trying to balance those two things. Yeah, I mean, I. I took uh, some time away at the time, you know, during that that time, and it was about right now, which is, you know, you four it'll be four years October twenty fifth, yeah, uh, which is crazy to to even say, but um, or th- three years, it, it all it all blurs together now, yeah, two thousand, yeah, sixteen, uh, yeah, okay, so it, it all blurs together, but the um, with that, you, you know, you uh, you end up. Like everything, everything kind of feels, you know, the weather's the same, the, um, you know, the, the mood's the same, just, just in general, like you're going back to school, you're going back to work, things like that. Um, what we tried to do at that time was we, we really wanted our, our, you know, kind of privacy and we knew we wanted his, um, he would want his privacy. Uh, so we, we didn't really let it be known to people. Um, we, we told some select, uh, people we trusted which you know news never really got out till it got really bad and and we realized hey we, we need we need a miracle we need more prayers mm-hmm. and that's when we kind of you know allowed it to be known to the public here. yeah how did you how did you brace once it took that turn and you realized okay we've been positive and we've been we've been looking at this as from the, the as as bright side as we possibly can, and now we're in need a miracle phase. You know, how did you start to to brace, and what did you? What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was pretty much just spend as much time with him as possible. Um, you know, even even if he wasn't as responsive as as you'd think, because he he ultimately um, passed from from you know an, an infection and complications. So you know. Th- like yeah. likewise, that's yeah. usually how I feel like yeah. it's, it's never, it's always something that yeah. your immune system and the guard comes down exactly. and something else. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, the, you wish you could have more of those conversations towards the end, end of, you know, their lives. I mean, I'm sure you, you can speak to that as well. Um, 
but you you kind of just brace you almost brace for the for the crash yeah you brace brace for you know what's to come and you're then you start thinking about a lot of okay what you know what's next for me what's next for my family what's next for everything like what's the point that type of thing i mean you yeah. you, you know you enlighten me on on how how you felt that cuz i'm always interested to hear how other people feel on yeah that. so we actually had some of the best conversations that we've ever had and, it, and it, so it wound up being she was uh they told her seven and a half months and it wound up being like eight or nine months and we wound up i think we both knew let's be positive and let's let's be as solution focused as possible let's go on if, if this treatment doesn't work let's go on to the next one and let's constantly let's yeah. do our own research let's look at all options and so we had that lane over here but we were also aware enough of the circumstances to know Let's not be Pollyanna here. Let's yeah. not pretend like this might not be the last year or the last Fourth of July or yeah, excuse me, the last. We didn't get to Thanksgiving, but um, and so we actually had amazing conversations that I, I'm glad that we had yeah. about life. And I asked her for advice, and um, I even like I, I just like going through in preparation for sitting down with you. I even just went through. I remember taking a bunch of notes. Mm-hmm. I would just be sitting. Um, in a hospital room at Mayo Clinic and, you know, she would be trying to rest as much as she could. But whenever she was awake and it was just me and her in the room, I would just, I, w- I would ask, at first I was a little bit like, God, should I, do I want to ask questions through the lens of like, you're not going to be here anymore? Is that going to make her mad? And she, but she was always okay with it. Yeah. And I'm just going to read a couple. I just yeah. pulled up one of these documents. Um, after she died, I sort of put some of this stuff together and, and I asked her, Two questions. What would you consider your life's mission and how can you close uh, how how can your close family and friends honor you after you pass away? And she said her mission is be there for people, help people, and empower people mm-hmm. and animals. Because yeah. she was an animal lover too, grew yeah. up on farms. So be there for people, help people, empower people, quite simply. And it's like when when you ask someone that question, yeah. I was sort of taken aback by how much she had thought about that in her life because her answer was instant. Definitely. What's your life mission? And she said, and she thought about it for a second and said, help people be there for people yeah. and empower people. Yeah. Um, and then I asked her, how can other people and me honor your legacy and carry your torch? And she said, be sure to give back, be there for people, volunteer, be a good person. Sometimes it's inconvenient, but you just do it anyways, mm-hmm. and it makes you feel good too. Enjoy life, take a step back, and always have perspective. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think it's you know entering that arena is a tough one because because it it does you have to let let your guard down and and you have to be vulnerable, but you also have to um, you know be aware that that the individual going through obviously the pain in their body and just the changes uh, you you're kind of you're not. You're not being necessarily being negative. You're in a way almost being realistic with what is kind of happening, but you're kind of showing that hey, I'm losing a little bit of hope, and you got like I'd, I'd agree with you. You you have to get over that as as a loved one, as a family member, mm-hmm. and you have to because at the end at the end of um, at the end of the day and at the end of you know whenever um, the passing happens. Uh, or, or they push through it. You're gonna have those conversations, and like like you, you have all those those notes that you can look back on. You know, I, I thought about when you were talking. I thought about something I've said a lot is that you know people ask ask what I learned from my dad, and I I say you know I never really just asked him questions, um, but I I never knew I was 
I never knew the things that he talked about were lessons until he passed. And now I find myself, you know, so many things that he used to talk about and he, how he used to deal with people and, you know, what values he had as a, as a, as a husband, as a, as a father, as a family man. Um, I'm seeing those like, you know, having, I have a three month old son now and seeing, you know, how he, my dad kind of was with me. I'm able to do that with my son. And like, I never felt at all like my dad was a, a, a father that, that was just gone all the time. I always felt like he was present. Even when he was home, I feel like that's amazing. Yeah, and it, maybe it, it rare is. in that profession. It is so. So it's just those little things are, you know. And I hear him, you know, constantly in my head. You know, hey, you're remember your greatest strength is your greatest weakness if you can't control it. And I never really understood it until he, until I started, until he passed. And you know, I find myself asking players, hey, what's your greatest strength? And more times than not, the players, it's going to be his greatest strength. Which he's probably right about because, you know, most guys are self-aware. But then you also bring up to them, hey, that can also be a weakness. If the strength that you care so much, um, I'd say that's my greatest strength. I care so much, but that's also my weakness too because I care so much. And so it's it's little things like that that, you know, hey, you don't realize their lessons until they're they're gone and they can't necessarily – keep bestowing all those upon you yeah is there anything i I know that there's things on on my list even though we did have a bunch of conversations is there anything that if you could get one or two questions and i think for me it would actually be more about family history stuff than anything else i think you know in terms of how to live your life type questions i think we kind of covered that stuff but if you had one or two do you have one or two questions that you would say if, if he walked in this room right now these are the two questions or the, like, this is what I would be really curious to know. Oh, I got, I got a number of questions. I mean, nothing like in in terms of that could just exactly, you know, regurgitate at the moment. For sure. Um, but a number of my questions would be about, about, uh, you know, handling the head coaching life and how, how different it, it is in terms of, you know, Hey, how did you deal with the fact that your days are not your own anymore? You know, where, where you're, you're basically, I mean, Hey, we were supposed to meet today at one o'clock. You ended up coming in here at 7 AM. Um, and you know, I had gotten done with my workout. I had finished some things, but you know, your day changes so much. So, I mean, it'd be, it'd be little things like that. Um, but I, I always felt like he did, he did a great job of, of, you know, showing me what it, what it is to be an adult and what it is to be a man and somebody to care for others. Yeah. So, did you feel like I I felt like because I was let's see I'm 34 now I was 32 I guess when my mom died mm-hmm. and 32 years old you're very much an adult mm-hmm. and you have responsibilities and a yeah. profession and all yeah. these things but I didn't really feel like I was an adult until my mom died. When my mom died, it was like I say that all the time. Man, I am on my own and yeah. little things that I would ask her about or even just like stupid stuff. Yeah. Hey, hey, there's this uh, like tax thing or like yeah, little things yeah. that you would just like, oh, my mom has an answer for that. Yeah. And and now that now she's yeah. gone. I mean, died. And, and I, you know, I, I come back to it because when you talk about, you know, you were 32 when she passed, you know, I was, uh, you know, it, it will be coming up on four years, which which I think is the fact that they, the years blur, blur together yeah. and, you know, it's you don't realize like it just feels like such a long period of time or some sometimes it's, or it feels like such a short period of time that you know sometimes you forget like hey how long have i been without him like it feels like forever or, or man it feels like yesterday like that's how i'm feeling right now like it cuz you know like i talked about the the weather's the same the the you know just the feeling of going back to work the seasons approaching things like that um 
you know, so in that, in that time, like as, as it was, was happening, you, I, I don't think we, we necessarily ever really lost hope until like th- that day. I always felt like there was going to, going to be some breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's, that's the, where the faith part comes into it. Um, and, you know, just the fact that, you know, we had faith, we prayed, we, we did, um, you know, everything that we felt we could. Um, and then, you know, when, when you see it, you, you see that, Hey, or you get the call from the doctor, like today's the day it's, it's not happening. You need, you need to rally everybody that you feel needs to be here. And it was, it was a really peaceful moment. Um, when you passed, I mean, we, I remember we got a, um, we had probably close to 15, you know, 15 family and friends, maybe even close to 20 people that, you know, we opened, they opened up a couple different hospital rooms. We had a big room. He loved Mountain Dew. We had somebody <laughs> from the Timberwolves bring a, a Gatorade, wheel a Gatorade cooler of Mountain Dew in there. That's awesome. Um, some little things like that. And it was, it was peaceful, but it, I remember the, I remember the going home part after that. Like, it's like, what do you, what do you do now? Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. And it's, cause it's, you know, you had that moment, you had the peaceful knowing that he's, he's in a better place or, or she's in a better place. Um, but then it's the, okay, now what happens? And that's where I think the, the, the real hardship really happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think there's just this really weird, quiet period. And, but then there's the initial like people and you and I have public jobs. And so, you know, people, people who we've never met, um, probably even at a higher mm-hmm. level for you, mm-hmm. but like when you're on the radio every day or you're talking mm-hmm. to people, people reach out and it's amazing, Yeah, but you can't expect that to last forever. And so that, yeah. that initial pouring out of support happens. And then there's another period of time after Absolutely. that where, and you know, and for people that don't have public jobs, you still get that su- support. Maybe it's on a lesser level, yeah. but then there's a, then there's that second period of, okay, now that wave is gone yeah. and now you're sort of left to figure it out on your own again. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah, crazy. It's the waves of, of the waves of grief and, and you know, the immediate, I guess, aftershock and then, um, you know, what, how people respond to it and people help you through it. Um, it's, it's all different. That's, that's one of the things I've learned through all this is that, and I, I've had people that have passed and that's, you know, I think that's one of the reasons you and I are sitting here has, you know, Hey, the season starts in less than a week, but we felt it was really important to get these types of, it's, it's a good time to get this out there. Yeah. Um, as we come up, you know, uh, actually I was going to spend the next 30 minutes just <laughs> yeah. asking you about your offensive scheme. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> we already talked. We already talked. That's not what we're doing today. That's not what we're doing today. Um, it's important to get it out there because you, you know that that some people are going to have those same feelings where I think we my mother and I have talked at length about this is that you people do kind of leave like everybody's there for you right away and you know you can almost harbor a little bit of resentment like hey they were there for me in in the beginning but then you know they just went on with their lives but then you you kind of real as time goes on you realize like that's what they have to do they can't yeah. be there for you the whole time yeah. and they it's can't what be we've done in. I'm sure we've know, done it too yeah. I mean you know you you're th- I'm thinking in, in my head like hey I you know I know this friend lost a parent like I got I got to call him after you leave here today yeah. you know I got to call a check on him and because it's you get on with your life if there's somebody who you know, wasn't necessarily in your everyday conversation in life. Um, you're, you're gonna, you're not always going to be there to, to help the family through or help. And so I think that that's, that's a message that I 
tell people is that, you know, don't harbor any type of resentment if you feel like people aren't there. Um, you know, I think one thing that I struggled with a little bit and, and, you know, in a way it still does, it's on, it has been on my mind is that you see the people that really loved you for you and not loved you for what your dad could try to do for them. Yeah. I felt yeah. through that. Cause I, you know, Hey, I have a number of people that, um, you know, were loved me and loved hanging out and loved seeing, you know, me when, when my dad was around and then he passed away and they were kind of nowhere to be found. Yeah. It was almost like onto the next, you know, set, set of people that can help me out. Yeah. And, and that, that really hurt me. And that it continues to be something that opens, that your eyes are open to, um, to what life is for some people. And then I think there's, there's also a, this layer of people that it's hard to know what to say mm-hmm. if you've never gone through it. I mean, obviously then, you, that's you the meet other someone part. who's been, who's in the club and you, you, you kind of know how to approach it. But if you've never gone through, and this applies yeah. to anything really, not, not just what we're talking about losing a parent, but I guess my advice in that regard would be you, there's nothing you can say to make it better. Um, so, and that's okay. Like yeah. I don't, I'm not sitting here two years ago expecting someone to come yeah. up to me and make me feel better. Yeah. But what I really appreciated was when people just asked questions about yeah. my mom. Yeah. When, when somebody, was, I agree there's, with that. There's nothing like I can't walk up to you and say, "Hey, man, like how is like how is everything?" Yeah. Well, think it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and there and and that's fine. Like it's supposed to suck. But if you come up and you ask, "What was your mom like?" Yeah. Or what were your mom's hobbies? Yeah. Where did she like to travel? Yeah. I would beam and would love Absolutely. to talk about that stuff, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think, I mean, again, advice to people, but that would be a great angle to take when mm-hmm. someone goes through loss. I think most people want to talk about that person, yeah. and the initial instinct from the person approaching is, oh, they probably don't want to be reminded of this. They probably don't yep. want to talk about it. I yep. mean, are you like me in that regard? Absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things I learned, and this is probably good for you too right now because, hey, two years, is, it's still raw. Mm-hmm. That is still raw. And so it's probably good talking about her right now. You know, I noticed, you know, just sitting across from you, you smile when you talk about her, mm-hmm. you know, love and wheel of fortune and things like that. You know, it's, it's, this is, it's therapeutic. So, uh, you know, I think the, I like, I like when, when people do want to bring up, um, my dad, but I, I, I found I, I like it more when they want to bring up him as a person. They yeah, don't want to yeah. bring up him as, you know, Hey, how are you like him as a basketball coach? Right. You know, and, and you understand the comparisons. If if I can be anywhere near him, you know, I, I feel I, I led a good life and a good coaching life. But you know, you, I want to talk about him as as a person, as a dad, not just him as a head coach in the NBA. Yeah, and you know, that's that's what I I love doing. I love hearing stories. Um, you know, I, I can just speak from my end is that the outpouring of you know. Stories from that were like sent to Brero on the Funkadelic or, or, you know, I know I, you guys had, had a number of people calling. Just a lot of people, um, had called in and, or wrote, wrote in, wrote me letters and just told about, Hey, I, I remember one time I was wa- walking through the Skyway and it was after a game and I saw your dad buy 10 boxes of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> it, but it was like just little moments like that that you see that he was, he was so common. Yeah in an uncommon way though yeah um that make you feel good and it's not nothing that i don't think about him and his basketball accomplishments or anything i think about his his life you know 
the fact that we love wiffle ball games. In fact, I think about fishing. I think about, um, you know, we love going to late night movies. That was, that was our big thing. I go to those movies alone now, but I still do it. Um, and those are things that help you through it. Yeah. Um, what, so take basketball out of it. What are, when, when you talk about wanting to carry forward a legacy and you yeah. want to carry someone's spirit forward, what are the things that you've been a lot more conscious mm-hmm. about in the last handful of years? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll ask, I'll pose a question to you next then. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of what your, your mom, uh, talked about, uh, you know, when, when you were talking about asking questions towards the end, end of her life, uh, I've, you, you realize not to take yourself so serious and not to take everything, know that not everything is, is completely like every decision that's made is life or death because you've been through life, life or death. You've been through those, those types of decisions, those types of moments when you're, you know, you, Hey, I mean, you, I don't know about you, but I had moments where I was literally on my knees in, in a hospital room, you know, just looking up, up and not knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. And you've been through those. So the, the hard, to me, the hard days now aren't as hard, um, because you, you realize how, what a hard day really is. And, you know, with, with that, I'd want to, I want to be, and I want to make sure I give credit to my mother because she, you know, held the family together. And, but I want to, what they did, my, my father and mother, to try to help others and use basketball and use, you know, the responsibility of this job to do good in the community. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that, that I've learned and that he, he would tell me today is that it's not, you know, it's not just your life. You know, you got to help others. And, you know, in terms of continuing the legacy, you know, I, I don't look at it sitting in the, literally the same seat that he this is this was his office mm-hmm. that i'm in now which it, it, it's I, i'm thankful for it but it, it doesn't i don't take it lightly each day when i walk in here and to be able to sit in the chair that he was he was in and he actually passed away you know not physically passed away in this chair but like he was the the owner of you know this job um you know some people a lot of times people ask is that a hard thing to live up to um, and I, I don't think necessarily because it's, you know, it's the, you've been through life or death. It, now it's just about doing the best that you can. And, and it's not, um, and carrying on the legacy of the person, not necessarily their accomplishments. Yeah. I mean, how about you? What, what would you say about carrying on a legacy? I think well, the way you put it with <clears throat> the, the fact that you had days where you were on your knees mm-hmm. and you felt like, what's the, like, I don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I think earlier on here in our conversation, you even mentioned the question, what's the point? And you really start asking yourself questions like that. Yeah. And I guess and to follow up, too, with what you said, um, my family support system from fiancé to stepdad to dad <clears throat> to uh, step family and yeah. aunt in California, I'm lucky to have. And then my future in-laws. Like I've got family in Milwaukee, Minnesota, you know, California, Arizona. And so I, I feel like I've, it sounds stupid. I feel like I have family around the country and even though I'm an only child, so leaning on, on those people, but in terms of carrying forward and I guess how you, how your perspective changes and maybe how you change as a person, I have zero time anymore for things that don't matter. Yeah. And I don't mean in like a dismissive no, way. You're right. I don't sweat things that don't matter, but, and, and, and I will catch myself 
I've had a couple moments even like so you know we've we've launched this new Score North mm-hmm. brand and we're building a multimedia platform that we hope can be a 10 to 15 year yeah. model and like there's a lot of moments when you're building something and you guys are building something with yeah. the wolves when you get caught up and your identity gets caught up in work sometimes and you have to check yourself and say you know what yeah I'm going to I'm going to pour myself into this and and I'm going to make sure that this is the best it can be and that I'm helping all the people that work for me and around me yeah. but at the end of the day that's that. That shouldn't be your identity, yeah, right? It, yeah. it, there's there's other more important things that you should be pouring your energy into as well, and little things that even little things. And I I started I started reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle twelve years ago, mm-hmm. and so I started planting some of these seeds just in my own mind, um, just after college, catching myself getting too caught up in things that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like you're in traffic and. You're going to be five minutes late. Yeah. Instead of pounding the wheel and getting mad and cussing and, and yeah. well, I mean, all you're doing is creating more suffering, right? Yeah. So I think when when you go through something like this, you really have more perspective on what matters, what doesn't, and how to be present and prioritize. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you: Did were you always? Did you always have that view after she had passed, or did it take some time for you to get to this this point? I think I had. Thanks in large part to her. I think I had built enough of a base of it was hard. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but I think I had built up enough of a base in my life leading up to that point of okay. Um, actually, I'm going to use a I'm going to use a sports metaphor here or a sports comparison. I had a chance to do a podcast with George Mumford, mm-hmm. sports psychologist George mm-hmm. Mumford. For the audience, he I bring him up on on our show sometimes because I just think he's a fascinating figure. He was Phil Jackson's mental coach for Mm -hmm. Bulls teams and Lakers teams. And from a sports perspective, he talked on the podcast we did about the greatest basketball players and athletes and high performers Mm -hmm. being able to put space between what he calls the mechanism and the response. So space between what happens or pressure or whatever it is that like whatever the external thing is and how you react to it. And I think it really helps if you can just have an idea of, all right, things are going to happen in your life. You're never going to live 75 or 80 years. And you can take this as macro or micro as you want. You're not going to get through a day yeah. without spilling coffee or you know, being late in a traffic yeah, jam yeah. or if like something doesn't go your way um, professionally. Just like if you, as you zoom out in life, you're not going to get away never losing someone close to you. Yeah never getting fired or, or whatever it is, right? So the more you can, I think the more that you can just anticipate, not in a paranoid, uh, mm-hmm. cynical way, but anticipate bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can control is how I react and spin mm-hmm. off of those bad things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I sort of knew the concept of that before mm-hmm. my mom died. Yeah. But that was the first time where whoa, this is in practice yeah. now. And yeah. it can't just be like a book that I read a few years ago. Yeah. You have to live this every day yeah. and then spin it forward in a, in a productive way. Yeah. yeah. The, initial, the initial shock of you know, losing somebody, um, you know, I feel like you're going you're gonna to get some strength, though. You, you get strength when you got people around, when people are dropping you know, dinner off for you, when people are, you, you, know, you get with your family, hey, we're, we're getting through this. As we talked about, as things kind of start wearing off, you know, for me, the, some of the hardest moments were like two, three months after after that, because then as everything starts kind of going down, people start you start get, you have to get back to your regular regular life, um, a number of things, and you you kind of in in a way you're 
you're, you start thinking about like, okay, you think about what, what was in the past. And then you're like, okay, how do I get back to that? How do I feel like that again? Yeah. How, and you realize that it's going to be impossible because you're missing a big part of, you know, what your life was and, and, and who you are in a way. And, you know, I'd encourage people to, um, Hey, reach out to somebody, you know, professional help is okay. Um, I did that by the way. I did that too. And, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I want to make sure to, I'm very proud of that because I think what that does is that, that shows, um, that shows a level of maturity and a level of awareness to your, uh, of self help when you're like, Hey, I can't do this on my own. Um, I don't want to continue to, I want to be there. You got to take care of yourself. Um, you got to take care of yourself before you can help take care of others. I think, you know, I have three younger sisters, my mother, uh, my wife and I, uh, we're not, together at the time um during that so it was it was pretty much us and they were my life and i realized pretty quickly that for me to want be able to help them i had to help myself yeah and so i think that's something i want to make sure to get through um as you and i talked as you have you know listeners uh you know hey don't be don't be afraid to you know go reach out in, in other ways because there's no shame in, in anything. It's about, you got to take care of yourself too. And be, I guess be a little bit selfish in a way. Yeah. And if there's things that you have to talk through and work out, you know, you can talk through and work out some of that stuff with the people around you, your wife, your spouse, whatever, but you're also, you don't, they have to live their life too. And it, it, they can't, they can't be your psychologist. Yeah. They, they're there to help you. But if there's stuff that you and, and I the same way I started I actually started seeing someone like three months before she passed away, sort of anticipating, all right, there's about to be some big life shifts here. It's one of the best decisions mm-hmm. I've ever made. Yeah, and and now really, you're engaged. Yeah, exactly. Congrats, man. Thank you. It's awesome. <laughs> um, and there were times when, you know when I would I would start to use my now fiance as my psychologist, yeah. and she would say as tactfully as she could, you know, we can't. Like this can't just be the dynamic all the time. Yeah. Like I'm here for Smart. you, but like you should you should have someone else. Mm-hmm. And she was 100 percent right. Yeah. So let's talk about some good things too. For sure. Right. Well, right. Yeah. Right now, as as we as you you talk well, about that, and I, I I'm I'll have to talk about my wife um, quick. So we I had met her in college, and she I always say she was a smarter woman back in college because she didn't want to date me. Um, <laughs> but she. Uh, I, I'm joking. I'm joking when I say that. But, uh, but she, uh, after my, we had kind of had been talking previously, um, getting back in touch. I had, when I had just kind of moved back to Minnesota, uh, we had kind of been friends. Um, and then my dad, once he, things deteriorated, um, we kind of almost lost a little bit of touch in, at that time because we weren't in a, in a space where, hey, come by and see him, come by, anything like that. It was kind of a, like, hey, we, I got I to focus on him yeah. and things. Um, so we, we actually, you know, like probably close to a month after he had passed, um, I ended up meeting meeting her on our first official date. McCormick's in downtown Wyzette, and it was pouring rain. Um, <laughs> our first official date, and... Um, we talk about it now where she's like, I didn't know if it was right. You know, you had just, your dad just passed and stuff. And I didn't know me. I, I still think of it being a blur because you know, you're numb. You're looking for something to, to look forward to. Yeah. And for me, she was my look, thing to look forward to then. And we just obviously, and she was incredible the way she stepped into such an intense space with my mother my sisters, uh, myself, um, you know, I give her, I, I say all the time, she saved my life and she probably saved my career too. Yeah. 
in terms of I don't know who knows what you what you feel if you want to continue on doing what you're doing, um, being reminded of your dad every day. At, if you don't have that thing to look forward to yeah. and you know, we fast forward, long story short, she, she ends up, you know, agreeing to marry me. Now we got a three month old kid and uh son, which is Lucas Phillip. Uh, Philip Bob is my dad's first name. That's his middle name. Um, I didn't want having a grandpa and a dad as a, as an NBA head coach. I didn't want the kid to feel like he had to, li- he has to live <laughs> up to that. So I, I, we put Philip in the, in the middle name, but my point is that there's beauty through, like the depth of of your despair if you can continue to push through it and you're just aware of your your feelings through all of that i mean do you feel feel a little bit of that yes um i feel like so we we've actually been together for seven years and we you know just like we we had always we, we we knew that we wanted to be together for the long haul and then marriage didn't start to really come up until after my mom died and it was I think it's you realize, and I'm listen. I'm not here to say that. Well, if you're only together for a year or two years, you shouldn't get married. I'm not saying that. But I think there's there's something amazing about going through a bunch of crap in your life with someone, and then seeing on both sides how the other person responds and steps up yeah. and helps. Yeah, that just solidifies. Yep, this is this is my person. Hey, we were together for less than a year. Yeah, my wife and I. But, but also, she had jumped into she a jumped tumultuous into, yeah. time in your life. Yeah, and you just. You see, when you go through adversity and you and you're going through tumultuous periods in your life, you really do to kind of what you were saying earlier. You really do. It brings out either the best or the worst in people, mm-hmm. and it's just a really it's a it's a character gauge. Yeah, you know? exactly. And and it's you know I I don't know if if he didn't pass, who knows if I'm ready to if I'm you know ready to be married at, at that time. There's there's things like that you you know. Hey, we were we were loving life. I was back here in Minnesota, um, you know, with my best friend in terms of my dad. Like we were we were trying to build a, a team. Yeah. Um, it was it was fun. We we were loving it, and like it was it was perfect. And then all this happened, and you're 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 looking for something else. And you know, then you know somebody comes along and who completely changes your life for the better in in the worst worst you know, time period of, of your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the only thing you can, to me, the only thing that possible explanation for that is the fact that, um, there's a higher power yeah. and that God is looking out for us and not to get too, too into that. I want to be respectful of everybody, um, everybody's beliefs, but you know, I want to make sure that I let that be known that, you know, my, my faith is the only thing that pushed me through all this and my faith and it is the reason that my wife, you know, w- was sent here for me. She always says, she's like, I felt a nudge. It was probably your dad. She always <laughs> says that. And, you know, that just makes me emotional when I think of that. Yeah, man. Well, let's, let's wrap with, I'll start and you follow, follow me up with this. Let's just, any other remaining pieces of thoughts or advice mm-hmm. or how do we, how do we pay it forward? How do we, as we sit in this club and if you've made it, through this show or this this podcast you're you're probably part of the club or you're just like you're uh or you're just captivated by by grief and us (laughs) flushing this out i guess but i i would say the last the 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 three things that that i've learned the most about in the last couple years and what i want to continue to carry forward and if i could if somebody was sitting down and, and and they had a loved one that was on the ropes in that same situation that we were in i would say 
let people be there for you. Mm-hmm. To remove your guard and let people be there for you. Carry on the mission and the spirit of the person that you're losing in whatever way that is for you. Flip, in, in other words, sort of flip it inside out. Instead of feeling the heavy burden and the, and the weight of the grief, try to flip it inside out and, and be proactive about it. Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I turn this inside out and how do I take all of the great things about that person and charge forward in my own way? Mm-hmm. And then number three would be prioritize things and people that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to have a power ranking list in your, you know, den or anything, but, but have, have perspective and to just to borrow some advice from my mom, don't, uh, don't sweat things that aren't relevant yeah. in your short period of time on this earth. Yeah. Um, I say this all the time and people around me probably think it's corny, but you are a speck of dust. Mm-hmm. If you go back and like, how long has the earth been around? And like, you're going to be here for this flash of time. What do you really want to focus yeah. on? So I think I think those are the things that I try to internalize in my in my day to day now. I think those are those are perfect. That's a perfect way to kind of wrap this conversation up because those are things I had something along those lines. Um, you know, just in, in things that I would share with people. Uh, I talk about you know it's okay to rely on people going through the grief, going through um, also the the anticipation of the grief. It's okay to rely on people, you know, and let people help you. Don't feel like you got to do it all on your own. Um, and then, you know, when, when the day does come, if, if the day is inevitable, if there's a listener that just had that day, um, you know, once you get, once you start working through the, Hey, this happened to me, like, how could this happen to me? Um, all that, then I'd say, uh, and once you recognize, like, I'm being very, um, I'm not trying to pull myself out of this. I'm just kind of letting life come and just kind of happen to me. Uh, that's when, that's when you'll start feeling, um, a change. And that, you know, I, I also tell people that there are better days to come, like in terms of, you know, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope in, in the grief because there's ways to find, um, some beautiful things through it all. And I don't know what those beautiful things are for it's different for every person, but there are some great things. But the last thing I'd say that we try to do here with the, with the Timberwolves. Now I I bring it back to, to work a little bit, but also I try to do it in everyday life is, um, a goal of mine, treat people better than they've ever been treated. Yeah. And that's a, and that's just a simple, like, Hey, make somebody feel, you know, the, the cashier at Starbucks, the parking lot attendant, whoever, treat somebody better than they've ever been treated. You know, don't go through life just being, hey, you know, hey, good morning. If somebody says good morning, like, hey, how you doing? You know, like, hey, good morning to you too. You know, engage, engage in life because it'll the joy and 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 the love from other people will come back to you, and that's how you carry a legacy on, showing that you are and 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 being a good person and and contributing to this world. Yeah. Thanks for sitting down, man. Yeah, yeah this, this was, was this was this is good. Yeah. Therapeutic in a way. It is. It is yeah. therapeutic, and hopefully, hopefully, whoever's listening finds value in it too. And yeah, and I and I would say, you know, our idea was let's just sit down and let's have this conversation and let's flush it out. Yeah. But if if you guys are listening out there, um, and you give us some feedback, yeah, you, absolutely. You can, you can always tweet at me. Not to I don't have social media, plugs, so yeah, tweet at me <laughs> on, and I'll, I'll relay that yeah. to Ryan, but. Just at Phil Mackey, or you can email me um, at P Mackey at, well, P Mackey at scorenorth.com, yeah. S K O R North.com, yeah. and send us your feedback. And I don't know if there's, 
other things that you'd want to that the audience wants to tap into with this maybe we can do another one at some yeah. point and yeah we'll see what happens no, definitely it's a credit to you too that to be vulnerable like this and and put this out there because these are these are um you know experiences that obviously are are very hard to relive in a way but um you know i think the fact that you want to use this to to help others to um you know your mother be proud yeah likewise my friend all right all right